Well, good morning. And uh, I do have the uh, opportunity to wrap up this series that we've been in for quite a while now out of the book of Luke, Reaching Deeper. And as I thought about what is the most fitting way in order to wrap up this whole series, uh, the wonderful, joyful privilege we have of entering into the presence of God in prayer seems so appropriate. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of prepare you a little bit for what I'm going to be doing here, and that is to ask you a question. I really hope you'll answer to yourselves and really think seriously about it. And And the question I want to ask you is, how's your prayer life? How is your prayer life? Well, if you said, you know what? I struggle in this area. Well, then if you're having that challenge, you're not alone. The very disciples themselves struggled in that area, didn't they? In fact, so much so that they came to the Lord Jesus and said, teach us how to what? To pray. And so this morning, as we're going to be looking into the book of Luke, finishing up, the last particular uh, sermon is going to be in the book of Luke, we're going to be looking at a, at a parable excuse me, that Jesus uh, gave to his disciples, and it isn't about prayer, of, of teaching them how to pray, but what it is, it is about teaching them or showing them the confidence that they could have and need to have because of God's love for them. And so this, what Jesus is going to bring, is that, that to try and to help them build their confidence in the one to whom they're praying to. Now it is my prayer this morning that will do the same for those of us who are struggling here this morning in our prayers. But in order for that to happen, I do believe that it would be profitable for us to take a very brief, personal Mm, how shall I put it, Um, inventory into what we're expecting when we come here to church today. For instance, do we have the right mindset? Do we have an attitude of expectancy? When you left home this morning, what did you expect to receive here today? Did you actually expect to have an encounter with the living God? (laughs) We prayed this morning earlier that the Holy Spirit would come in great power here today and that our hearts and our minds would be open and receptive to what God has for us because he has something for every individual person here. He knows all of our hearts, knows all of our minds, knows exactly where we're at and he wants to encounter us today. So for that to happen, we have to stop and think, am I wanting and needing and seeking to have a personal encounter with God today, now. And if you are, then of course you will leave here differently than when you came in. So if you'll bow with me in just a moment of prayer, we'll ask the Holy Spirit to come and do what only He can do. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. And we pray, Father, that you indeed would come and that as our hearts are open and as our hearts are fertile, Lord, we, we, we pray that you indeed would speak into our lives and speak into our hearts and speak into our minds and that we would leave here differently than when we came as a result of a personal encounter with you. And so we pray, Lord, that you would do what only you can do, but we submit ourselves to you and we worship you this day in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 
Now, I would ask you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 18. And if you don't have a Bible here this morning, just raise your hand. The ushers are just coming up and down uh, the aisle. And if you would like to borrow a Bible, uh, I don't see any hands raised, but if you'd like to borrow a Bible, oh, uh, well, someone's passing one, then you certainly can borrow one. And, and uh, if you want a Bible, there's only one stipulation, and that is that you read it. So they will give you a Bible after the service if you'll return that one. So Luke chapter 18, verse 1 says this, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Now may I state the obvious? You and I will not always pray, and you and I will most definitely give up if we do not think that God is hearing us, <laughs> listening to our prayers, and most definitely if we don't think he's going to answer our prayers. Isn't that an amen? I mean, why bother? And so this is really critical, and this is really important, and this is something Jesus knew that his followers needed to understand about their whole mindset and attitude towards God in hearing and answering their prayers. And so knowing that, he tells a most unusual, attention-grabbing parable of an unjust judge and a persistent widow to address this very issue as we will look into and see this morning. So look with with me at verses uh, 2 to 5. Then he, Jesus, said, In a certain town there was a judge, (laughs) this really blows me away, who neither feared God, now he's a Jewish judge, okay, who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in the town who kept coming to him with a plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. Well, for a while he refused, but finally he said to himself, Now, if you're stuck on yourself, if you're the only important person around, and obviously he feels that way, he's pretty arrogant, then who do you talk to? Yourself. So he's talking to himself, no one else is aware. Then he says, self? (laughs) Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so she won't eventually wear me out by her coming. He's still thinking about who? himself. Okay. So what does this parable actually mean that Luke 18, Jesus is presenting Luke 18? Well, Jesus himself, thank you, Lord Jesus, interprets it as soon as he gives it, does he not? For he tells us in verses 7 and 8 these words, will not God bring justice for his chosen ones, some of your Bibles will say, for his elect ones, who cry out to him, day and night. So now we know one thing for sure. He hears us. Will he keep putting them off? That's the question. I tell you, coming from the authority of the very Son of God himself, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Now that doesn't mean immediately. It might But it means when he brings it, it's coming, and it's coming quick. Then the Lord Jesus wraps up what we're going to be looking at this morning with this. However, 
when the Son of Man comes, he's talking about himself, talking about the second coming, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now it's critical to remember that this parable is a study in opposites. It's a study in opposites. In both Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13, which Justin brought earlier in the summer, and this, this parable in Luke 18, 1 to 8, are parables in contrast, not comparison. They are parables in contrast, not comparison. First, we are not like that widow. If you are a child of God in here today, you are totally opposite from her. She was poor, powerless, forgotten, and abandoned. She was abandoned. She had no relationship with this judge, that's obvious. But beloved, we are special beyond our wildest dreams or imaginations. We, of all created beings, whether in heaven above, angels, archangels, doesn't matter, seraphim, cherubim, whatever is up there, and all of God's creation down here on earth, we alone stand out. We alone are created in the what? image of God and for a supernatural divine purpose and what is that <laughs> to become his children I had Brett here in the first service and he gave me a amen I need somebody alive in here thank you pastor okay <laughs> I mean, feed the boy here a little bit. All right. I want to make sure you're out there. Now, more on this later. But here's the point. We are not abandoned like that widow. We are not abandoned. We are adopted into the eternal family of the eternal God. And I put in your outline, so you can look into it for yourself later today if you would like. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17 covers that. And so does Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. And if you're in God's family, I want to share this with you. Everything matters greatly to God about you. God the Father loves you. And, and, and this is going to be hard to get your mind around. It is for me. Maybe it's easier for you, but it's, I still can't get my mind around that God the Father loves me and loves you the same as he loves his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who in here feels worthy of that? I know me. And I wouldn't even have saved me. <laughs> Much less love me the, the way that he loves his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I, this, this always blows me away. And that's why, for me, my favorite verse in all the Bible, you may not want to know, but now you know, is John chapter 17, verse 23. 
For there the Lord Jesus Christ is praying to the Heavenly Father the night before he is crucified the next day. And so he's, so he's having this incredible prayer, John chapter 17, the whole chapter, and, he, and, and I'm going to pull out just this one verse, verse 23, and here's what the Lord Jesus Christ says. I in them, and the them is usens, if you're saved, okay? I in them, and you, Father, in me, so that they, that's us again, so that they may be brought, uh, may be brought to complete unity. Why? Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, that's all Christians, and have loved them even as you love me. Now that's from the very Son of God himself. We take it on his authority that that is true. Second, our loving Heavenly Father is nothing like that judge. You see, Jesus given this parable to, to uh, build our confidence in laboring in prayer, in persevering in prayer. That's why he's giving it. Our, our, our Heavenly Father uh, is not crooked like this judge is. He's, uh, our Heavenly Father, uh, this judge is unrighteous. He's crooked. He's unfair. He's disrespectful. He's uncaring. And he's obviously preoccupied with his own self-serving agenda. By contrast, our Heavenly Father is righteous and just. He is holy and tender. He's responsive and sympathetic. He's kind and loving and full of sprachna, compassion. Just to mention a few differences. God's word teaches us that God loves to bestow blessings on his children. It's his nature. It's who he is. God the Father is a giving God. He is an encouraging God. He is a nurturing God, an empowering God, a loving God. Never forget that. In your darkest hour, when, you're, when it's so dark you can't even see or feel, I mean, you just it's just darkness everywhere, then trust his heart when you can't see his hand. He's there. And that's what Jesus is trying to get us to see. Uh, Paul writes to the, uh, to the Gentiles, which probably all of us in here are, through the Gentile believers in Corinth, not Jews, now Gentiles, and he's, and, and he's led them to the Lord, and now he's writing them a letter after he's gone. And, and in that letter, and I'm not even going to have it put up on the board, because what I would like you to do, for those of you that will, will do it, is to just close your eyes when I begin to share with you the particular verses that I want to share, and just drink in about our God, about our Heavenly Father. And so in 1 Corinthians and I'll give you the reference in a minute. In 1 Corinthians, he's writing them, and, and, and since they, they, uh, the New Testament is not just being written, right? 
And so he reaches back into the Old Testament and he pulls out from Isaiah 64 and 65 and he puts them together in what he's about to write uh, to them. And this is what he says, as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither is entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed them to us <laughs> by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man that is in him? <laughs> Even so. No one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but we have received the Spirit who is from Him that we might know, K-N-O-W, that we might know the things that He has freely given to us by God. God. So just a food for thought here. Now, that reference, if you want to jot it down and just drink it in, is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. And if you took experience the life, you memorized it. <laughs> and, and, and Jesus then also says in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, I refer back to that over the parable that Justin brought us. And Jesus says this, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the highest and best gift that God can ever bestow. It's the gift of sonship. Which raises the question. Are you a child of God in here this morning? Are you a Christian? By that I mean have you been reborn spiritually into God's eternal family? If your answer is yes, then all the promises in the Bible are yes and amen. If you say no, or I'm not really sure, then Romans chapter 3, verse 23, clearly states your condition. And it says this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Some other versions say it a little bit differently. What does all mean? All, all means all and that's all. All means. Right? All right. So now we know our condition. That's not too good. Romans 6.23, however, presents God's solution. Thank you, Lord. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of that sin, in other words, you go out there and you work and you earn something. Well, in this sense, since you're a sinner, then what you get, as far as a wage goes, is death. Now, death isn't annihilation. Death is separation. And it means separation from this incredible God that we're describing to this morning from the Word of God. So, 
But that's not the end of it. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, in fact, in fact, Paul writes in there, but the free gift. Now, you wouldn't think you'd have to put free in there since you know it's a gift, but you'd be surprised how many people try to work their way to heaven. How many people try to earn their way to heaven? And the Bible's making it crystal clear. You can't do that. Don't go there. It's a big waste of time. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, so here we're, we're seeing that the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through a person. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now when you stop and you think about that, you think, well, that sounds rather narrow. Well, it really is. It's between, through one person. Jesus himself said in John chapter 14, verse 6, Really, the evening before he died the next day, part of this, this whole time we was talking to his disciples after he told him he was leaving, he made it really, really clear when he says, I am the way, not a way, the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that's the way. That's the only way. In John chapter 1, verse 12, makes it clear what your part is if you would like to receive that gift that God offers. Because it says, but as many as receive him, talking about Jesus, to them gave the right or the privilege to become God's children, even to those who believe in his name. So I want to come back and kind of wrap up what I started a little bit earlier. Every human being is created in the image of God. Every human being ever born, from Adam right on to the last person. But only those who receive the gift of eternal life will or can become God's children. And that's the whole point. You see, God will not violate your and my free will. We'll either want it or we don't. Now, hopefully that clarifies a little bit. And so let us, it now allows us to get back and talk more seriously about this area of unanswered prayer. J.O. Frazier, a missionary whom I love, he's with the home with the Lord now. He was in the late 1800s, early 1900s. He, he was a missionary in southwest China. He, he said this, and I just I love him, so I'm going to share it with you. I think it's really, really cool. He said, unanswered prayer has taught me to see God's will instead of my own. Hello. <laughs> Some of us ought to be picking this up. He said, I suppose that most of us have had such experiences. We have prayed and prayed and no answer has come. The heavens above have been as brass. And then he says, yea, blessed brass. If it has taught us to sink a little more of this ever-present self of ours into the cross of Christ. So the question is, does God always answer prayer? Well, our answer is an emphatic yes. And we may not like the answer, and we may not like the timing, but he always answers. Let me give you a couple of reasons that, that might prove helpful in clarifying uh, what we're looking at. First of all, God's delays are not necessarily his denials. He has his reasons for his not yets. Sometimes God delays to test our faith. 
Doesn't the Bible say the just shall live by faith? Doesn't also say we are to live by faith, not by sight? So that's one reason right off the bat. Sometimes he delays in order for us to modify our request. Like J.O. Farrell. Whoops, I better be finding out what God's will is. Sometimes God delays so that we can develop character qualities, such as that persevering in prayer, such as endurance, because we're in it for the long haul. Sometimes to teach us to just trust him when we don't hear that answer right away. Uh, To be patient and to wait patiently upon him. To learn to submit ourselves to his lordship. And on and on it goes. And only when we learn to wait patiently and to trust God's timing will we begin to understand his delays. Now, this, this might be painful for some of you, especially if you're going through difficult times right now. But a lot of spiritual gain comes through struggle. That's what metamorphosis is all about. That's what the whole being transformed the image of Christ is all about. It, it, it's, this, it's this struggle. Some spiritual gain comes through of all things, failure. How many of us have learned more by failing than, than we are when things go right besides me? There's three of us. Hallelujah. All right. You see, so, so failure can teach us if we're, if we're open to learn. It can teach us a lot. Uh, grief. Grief is hard, but it's a teacher. Pain. Loss. These are all ordained of God for our good. To bring us to be fully dependent upon Him. To trust Him. You see, your Heavenly Father, as much as He loves you, is not quite as interested, I said quite as interested in your comfort, as He is conforming you and me to the image of His Son. Second, the wonderful promise of John chapter 15, verse 7, and I I really love this, where the Lord Jesus said, he said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, then ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. Woo, hallelujah. Let's look at the flip side of that, shall we? Let me paraphrase it for you. I think it'll be quite self-explanatory. If you abide not in me, and my words abide not in you, do not ask for your desire. (laughs) Thank you, Vern. For it will not be done for you. Third, but let's just say that you, forgot about that. Let's just say that you are abiding in Christ. That you are walking by faith. And that you are trusting him. And what you've been praying for and pleading for and crying out to God for and persevering for 
God doesn't answer the way you've been praying it. How will you respond? How will I respond? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writing to these same Christians in Corinth gives us a little insight when he said, and he wrote to them, I begged, I begged the Lord repeatedly to remove this thorn that I have in my flesh that was given to me by a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, I don't know about you, but that sure seems like that ought to be a prayer that God would answer. And in the affirmative. Because if the enemy of God, the enemy of our soul, attacking a child of God, and you would think God said, got it done, Satan, take a hike. But does he? Well, most of us in the room this morning know the answer. But let's listen to Paul to describe what happens in verse 9. And he, the Lord, said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Now that's about as nice a no as you'll ever get. But brother and sister in Christ, it's no. But what's Paul's response? He said, therefore I gladly boast in my infirmities. What? <laughs> Why would he say that? Many of us be saying, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> I'm telling you, that isn't what, he, what we would want to hear. But Paul, he, 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 Paul says, I got it. I get it. I see. And so he says, I, I, you know, I boast in my infirmities, and here's why. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. If we're so self-sufficient, if we become like that judge, the power of Christ is not going to rest upon us. And Paul saw that as a better answer than what he was asking for. Verse 10, therefore, and this is really even hard to read, much less live. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities. That's what it says. You're saying the same thing. I take pleasure in my infirmities, in the reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. His reason? <laughs> For Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. Now, Paul's circumstances, as far as we know, never changed. But what changed? His attitude and his perspective changed. Because he gets it and he sees it. Well, you might be sitting there this morning and I'm going to be wrapping it up with this and and you might be saying to yourself, well, you used about as poor example in the Bible if you were trying to convince me because I am nothing like the Apostle Paul, this super saint that God used to write 12, maybe more of the books of the 27 New Testament. So you lost me there, buddy. Well, then I have a, another question for you. Can you relate to one of our own? Can you relate to one of our own? I quote from her testimony that she gave last December 
around Christmas time. She was sharing about her journey with God through her affliction. There have been other moments of internal darkness when hope seems so elusive. I grieved over the loss of my feminine appeal as chemotherapy and surgery take their toll on my body. I know that the path of cancer is uncertain and there is no sure outcome regarding the quality or the length of my life. But in these moments of darkness, there is a a spiritual truth. I have spent my life afraid of what change would happen to me instead of rejoicing in what God wants to change in me. We're on holy ground here. I'm going to repeat that sentence because it grips me every time I read it. I have spent my life afraid of what change would happen to me instead of rejoicing in what God wants to change in me. So, with hope, with hope, I pray the words of Psalm 143.10. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven, which is what most of us want. Prayer is getting God's will done on earth. Now we're transitioning now into the garden of prayer. It's part of the message today. It's part of the message. And so what I want to do is I just want to talk to you a little bit as, as, as the pastors and the elders and the prayer team members make their way around the sanctuary. I do admit that the the message today was primarily for those who are in the body of Christ. But if you're here today and you you just could not say for assurance that I know that I'm born spiritually into God's family, would you come and speak to any of the people who are standing? They will be able to tenderly help you. Dean, if you can come on up, brother tenderly help you in taking that next step of faith that God wants you to take in becoming his child. Now, child of God, do you and your heavenly father need to take care of a little family business this morning? Talking a little bit about your expectations, what you did and didn't expect to happen today? Did he encounter you? Did he speak to you? Did he come and let you know an area, an issue, or whatever it is that 
he wants you to take care of? Well, part of a message, part of a sermon is, is God uses servant to say what he wants you to hear and then it is our opportunity to respond rather than to ignore what he's laying on our hearts for us to do. So we invite you to come and to pray here by yourself along, along here. If you just want to come and just talk to God and take that step and say, Lord, I'm making that commitment to do that. Or if you want to come and pray with someone who would love to pray for you or with you about whatever's on your heart and your mind. And so as uh, Suzanne plays, then this is your opportunity. And if everyone will stand, it'll give people an easier to just to step out. Everyone just stand. It's just going to be quiet music. Not going to be singing today. And you come if this is what God has called you to do. God bless you as you do what he is leading you to do. Mm -hmm.